On March 30th, we commemorate Venerable John Climacus of Sinai, author of the latter. St. Sophronius, Bishop of Irkutsk, the Prophet Joad, the Apostle Sosthenes of the Seventy, the Apostle Apollos of the Seventy, the Apostle Cephas of the Seventy, the Apostle Caesar of the Seventy, the Apostle Epaphroditus of the Seventy, St. Eubula, Mother of St. Pantelimon, Venerable John the Silent of St. Sava's Monastery, St. Zosimus, Bishop of Syracuse, and the meeting of the Mother of God in St. Elizabeth. St. John Climacus of the latter is honored by Holy Church as a great ascetic and author of the renowned spiritual book called The Ladder, from which he is called of the latter. There is almost no information about St. John's origins. One tradition suggests that he was born in Constantinople around the year 570 and was the son of St. Xenophon and Maria, commemorated on January 26th. John went to Sinai when he was 16, submitting to Abba Martyrius as his instructor and guide. After four years, St. John was tonsured as a monk. Abba Stradecius, who was present at St. John's tonsure, predicted that he would become a great luminary in the Church of Christ. For 19 years, St. John progressed in monasticism in obedience to his spiritual father. After the death of Abba Martyrius, St. John embarked on a solitary life, settling in a wild place called Tola, where he spent 40 years laboring in silence, fasting, prayer, and tears of penitence. It is not by chance that in the latter, St. John speaks about tears of repentance. Just as fire burns and destroys the wood, so pure tears wash away every impurity, both external and internal. His holy prayer was strong and efficacious, as may be seen from example from the life of the God-pleasing saint. St. John had a disciple named Moses. Once the saint ordered his disciple to bring dung to fertilize the vegetable garden. When he had fulfilled the obedience, Moses lay down to rest under the shade of a large rock because of the scorching heat of summer. St. John was in his cell in a light sleep. Suddenly, a man of remarkable appearance appeared to him and awakened the holy ascetic, reproaching him. John, why do you sleep so heedlessly when Moses is in danger? St. John immediately woke up and began to pray for his disciple. When Moses returned in the evening, St. John asked whether any sort of misfortune had befallen him. The monk replied, A large rock would have fallen on me as I slept beneath it at noon, but I left that place because I thought I heard you calling me. St. John did not tell his disciple of his vision, but gave thanks to God. St. John ate the food which is permitted by the monastic rule, but only in moderation. He did not sleep very much, only enough to keep up his strength, so that he would not ruin his mind by unceasing vigil. I do not fast excessively, he said of himself, nor do I give myself over to intense all-night vigil, nor lay upon the ground, but I restrain myself, and the Lord soon saved me. The following example of St. John's humility is noteworthy. Gifted with discernment and attaining wisdom through spiritual experience, he lovingly received all who came to him and guided them to salvation. One day, some envious monks reproached him for being too talkative, and so St. John kept silence for a whole year. The monks realized their error, and they went to the ascetic and begged him not to deprive them of the spiritual profit of his conversation. Concealing his ascetic deeds from others, St. John sometimes withdrew into a cave, but reports of his holiness spread far beyond the vicinity. Visitors from all walks of life came to him, desiring to hear his words of edification and salvation. 
After 40 years of solitary asceticism, he was chosen as Egumen of Sinai when he was 75. St. John governed the Holy Monastery for four years. Toward the end of his life, the Lord granted him the gifts of clairvoyance and wonderworking. At the request of St. John, Egumen of the Raithu Monastery, commemorated on Chiefs Fair Saturday, he wrote the Incomparable Ladder, a book of instruction for monks who wish to attain spiritual perfection. Knowing of the wisdom and spiritual gifts of St. John of Sinai, the Egumen of Raithu requested him to write down whatever was necessary for the salvation of those in the monastic life. Such a book would be called A Ladder Fixed on the Earth. Genesis 28, 12 leading people to the gates of heaven. St. John felt that such a task was beyond his ability. Yet, out of obedience, he fulfilled the request. The saint called his work the ladder, for the book is a fixed ladder leading from earthly things to the holy of holies. The thirty steps of spiritual perfection correspond to the thirty years of the Lord's age. When we have completed these thirty steps, we will find ourselves at the righteous and will not stumble. The latter begins with renunciation of the world and ends with God who is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 Although the book was written for monks, any Christian living in the world will find it an unerring guide for ascending to God and a support in the spiritual life. Since Theodore the Studite commemorated November 11th and January 26th, Sergius of Radonezh commemorated September 25th and July 5th, Joseph of Holocolams commemorates September 9th and October 18th, and others relied on the ladder as an important guide to salvation. The 22nd step of the ladder deals with various forms of vainglory. St. John writes, When I fast, I am vainglorious, and when I permit myself food in order to conceal my fasting from others, I am again vainglorious about my prudence. When I dress in fine clothing, I am vanquished by vanity, and if I put on drab clothing, again I am overcome by vanity. If I speak, vainglory defeats me. If I wish to keep silence, I am again given over to it. Wherever this thorn comes up, it stands with its point upright. A vain person seems to honor God, but strives to please men rather than God. People of lofty spirit bear insult placidly and willingly, but only the holy and righteous may hear praise without harm. When you hear that your neighbor or friend has slandered you behind your back, or even to your face, praise and love him. It is not the one who reproaches himself who shows humility, for who will not put up with himself? It is the one who is slandered by another, yet continues to show love for him. Whoever is proud of natural gifts, intelligence, learning, skill in reading, clear enunciation, and other similar qualities which are required without much labor, will never obtain supernatural gifts. Whoever is not faithful in small things, Luke 16, verse 10, is also unfaithful in large things, and is vainglorious. It often happens that God humbles the vainglorious, sending a sudden misfortune. If prayer does not destroy a proud thought, we bring to mind the departure of the soul from this life. And if this does not help, let us hear the shame which follows dishonor. For whoever humbles himself shall be exalted, whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. Luke 14.11 When those who praise us, or rather seduce us, start to praise us, let us recall our many sins. Then we shall find that we are not worthy of what they say or do to honor us. In the latter, St. John describes the ascent towards spiritual perfection, which is essential for anyone who wishes to save his soul. It is a written account of his thoughts based on the collected wisdom of many wise ascetics and on his own spiritual experience. 
The book is a great help on the path of truth and virtue. The steps of the ladder proceed gradually from strength to strength on the path of perfection. The summit is not reached suddenly, but gradually, as the Savior says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11.12 St. John is also commemorated on the fourth Sunday of Great Lent. St. Sophronius, Bishop of Irkutsk and wonderworker of all Siberia, whose family name was Kristalevsky, was born in Malorussia in the Chernigov region in 1704. His father, Nazarius, was a common man in his affairs, and the saint was named Stephen, in honor of the proto-martyr Saint Stephen. He had two brothers and a sister, Pelahia. The name of one brother was Paul. The name of the other, older brother, is unknown. It is said that this older brother was the head of the Krasnogorsk Zolotonsh Monastery. Stephen's childhood years were spent in the settlement of Berezan in the Pereslav district of the Poltava governance, where the family settled after the father was discharged from service. When he came of age, Stephen entered the Kiev Theological Academy, where two other future hierarchs were studying. Yoasaf, future bishop of Belgorod, commemorated on September 4th and December 10th, and Paul, future metropolitan of Tobolsk, commemorated on June 10th and November 4th. After completing his religious education, Stephen entered the Krasnogorsk Transfiguration Monastery, later renamed the Protection Monastery. In 1789, it was transformed into a woman's monastery, where his elder brother already labored in asceticism. On April 23, 1730, he received monastic tonsure with the name of Sophronius, in honor of St. Sophronius of Jerusalem, commemorated on March 11th. On the night after his monastic tonsure, St. Sophronius heard a voice in the Protection Church predicting his future service. When you become bishop, build a church dedicated to all saints. In 1732, he was summoned to Kiev. There he was ordained hierodeacon and then hieromonk in the Cathedral of Holy Wisdom. After St. Sophronius had been a monk for two years, he became treasurer of the Zolotonosh Monastery for two years, and then his gracious bishop Arsenius Berlov of the Pereslav Diocese sent him to the house of his archbishop, where he was steward for eight years. These facts testify to the connections of the saint with his original protection monastery. During his obedience under the presiding hierarch at Pereslav, he often visited his monastery, spending the day in quiet contemplation and work, serving as an example to the brethren. When Hieromonk Sophronius traveled to the Holy Synod on behalf of his bishop, they paid close attention to him. In January 1742, the future saint was transferred to the St. Alexander Nevsky Lavra in St. Petersburg, the foremost monastery of the capital. A year later, he was appointed treasurer of the monastery, and in 1746, he was appointed as superior of the monastery. He summoned his fellow countryman, the Hieromonk, Sinesios Ivanov, a native of the city of Pirluki, and made him a gumen of the St. Sergius Hermitage, a dependency of St. Alexander Nevsky Lavra. From this time, the friendship of the two ascetics, Hieromonk Sophronius and Hieromonk Sinesios, was strengthened by their joint pastoral effort, and they were inseparable until they died in Siberia. During these years, St. Sophronius worked hard at managing the monastery and improvement of teaching at the seminary located nearby. He and Archbishop Theodosius made it their task to acquire more books for the monastic library. St. Sophronius built a two-story church. The upper church was dedicated to St. Theodore, the older brother of St. Alexander Nevsky, and the lower to St. John Chrysostom. Bishop Innocent II, Nerunovich of Irkutsk, died in 1747. 
For six years afterwards, the Irkutsk diocese remained without a spiritual head. Finally, on February 23, 1753, the Empress Elizabeth, 1741-1761, recommended the pious Egumen Sophronius of the Alexander Nevsky Monastery to the Holy Synod as a person not only worthy of episcopal rank, but also someone completely able to fulfill the wishes and the hopes of the state and the synod, and take up the burden of episcopal service on the far frontier and satisfy the needs of his flock in that harsh land among wild primitives and lawless people. On April 18, 1753, Thomas Sunday, Haramonk Sophronius was consecrated bishop of Irkutsk and Herchinsk in the Dormishn Cathedral. Foreseeing difficult service on the distant Siberian frontier, the new bishop did not immediately travel to the Irkutsk eparchy, but rather began to gather educated and spiritually experienced co-workers. During this period, St. Sophronius visited at his original Krasnogorosk monastery, at the holy places of Kiev, he also sought the blessings of Kiev cave saints for his service. The constant companion of the saint, as had been before, was the higher monk Synesios, sharing in his friend's work. At Moscow, Archbishop Platon of Moscow and Sevsk provided him with further assistance. He gave him fatherly advice for his task, since he was quite familiar with the peculiarities of Siberian religious life. He forewarned him about the self-willed local authorities and advised him to surround himself with trustworthy helpers. On March 20, 1754, the saint arrived at Irkutsk. He went first to the Ascension Monastery, his predecessor's residence, and prayed at the grave of Bishop Innocent Kuchitz, asking his blessing as he took up his assignment. Familiarizing himself with the state of affairs in the diocese, the saint began the reorganization of the spiritual consistory, monasteries, and parishes and appealed to the Holy Synod to send worthy men to the Irkutsk eparchy for priestly service. Before the arrival of St. Sophronius, the Irkutsk monasteries had already a century-old history. The founders of these monasteries were motivated by a fervent desire for monastic life. The wise hierarch appointed people of piety, wisdom, virtue, and with great experience both of life and spiritual matters as heads of the monastic communities. In 1754, Bishop Sophronius elevated his friend and companion Haramonk, Sinesios to be Arhimandrite of Ascension Monastery. He served the monastery for 33 years until his blessed repose. In September 1754, the bishop issued a decree in which he expressed concern for the education and upbringing of the children of the clergy. He wanted them to learn the horlogion, the psalter, singing and letters, and this instruction ought to be conducted with all industriousness and the utmost diligence so that the children might be able to fulfill their responsibilities of sacristan and deacon. Studying both people and circumstances, the bishop in his sermons and conversations exhorted all to a higher moral ideal. He devoted particular attention to the reverent and correct performance of the divine services in the holy mysteries, and he also looked after the moral purity of laymen. He was concerned about the position of women in the family and defended them against their unjust inequality. The bishop attempted to set straight the rule of divine services, and so he summoned priests, deacons, subdeacons, and sacristans, and those who sang in their choir during services. Traveling about the diocese, the saint noticed that sensing and the ringing of bells were not being done properly in all places, and therefore he issued a decree restoring the proper way of sensing and bell ringing. Called to apostolic service in this frontier region, St. Sophronius realized that his duty was to enlighten the Christians of the area and also to convert the idol worshippers, who were very numerous in Siberia. 
It was difficult to bring pagans to the Church of Christ, especially because sometimes there was no one to serve in the churches, and to borrow priests for missionary activity only made matters worse. Knowing that the church services would have a salutary effect on un-Russians, the saint not only served with reverence himself, but also required it of all his clergy. St. Sophronius also contributed to the development of a stable culture among the local people. He offered them monastic lands for settlements, and in every way he endeavored to isolate them from the influence of paganism. A constant throng of visitors came from faraway places for his blessing. Even with his many cares, he did not forget his own spiritual life in eternity. He also led an ascetical life. His cell attendant said that the saint used simple food in small quantities. He served often, spent the greater part of the night at prayer, sleeping on the floor under sheepskin or fur, a deerskin or bear hide, and a small simple pillow. The spirit of his ascetic life fit in with the general uplifting of the Christian spirit in Russia after the glorification of St. Demetrius of Rostov, commemorated on September 21st, Theodosius of Chernigov, commemorated on September 9th, and the uncovering of the incorrupt relics of his predecessor, St. Innocent of Irkutsk, commemorated on February 9th. This event inspired St. Sophronius to greater efforts and encouraged him to ask for the help of St. Innocent in his task of building up the diocese. Until the end of his days, St. Sophronius kept his love for the Krasnogor Zolotonosh Monastery, which had nurtured him the days of his youth. He constantly contributed support for its upkeep, sending the necessary means for this. Noticing a deterioration in his health, St. Sophronius petitioned the Holy Synod to let him retire. The answer from Peterburg did not come right away since it was difficult to choose a worthy successor. The final days of St. Sophronius' life were spent in asceticism and prayer. The light which shone on the good deeds of St. Sophronius continues to the present time to testify to the glory of the Heavenly Father, who mercifully strengthens his saints. Now the Holy Mary of St. Sophronius is reverently preserved not only in Siberia at the place of his final deeds, but also at the place of his first deeds. St. Sophronius is also commemorated on June 30th, his glorification in 1918. Holy Prophet Joad came from Samaria and prophecy during the 10th century before Christ. See Kings 13. The prophet was sent by the Lord from Judea to Bethel to denounce the Israelite king Jeroboam for polluting his nation with idol worship. The Lord commanded the prophet, Eat no bread and drink no water, and do not return by the way you come. Kings 13.9 The prophet Joad appeared to King Jeroboam and prophesied to him concerning the wrath of the Lord. When the king tried to gesture with his hand to seize the prophet, his hand suddenly withered. The king entreated the prophet to pray to the Lord that his hand would be healed. By Joad's prayer he received healing. Deceived by the false prophet Emba of Bethel, Joad disobeyed the command given him by the Lord. The older man lied and told Joad that an angel had commanded him to bring him to his home and feed him. Because of his disobedience, the prophet Joad was killed by a lion. His body did not rest with his fathers, but was buried near the abode of the false prophet who led him astray. The holy apostle Sosthenes was head of the Corinthian synagogue before his conversion. The Apostle Paul converted him to Christianity and made him his helper in his work. In addressing the Corinthian church, St. Paul sent greetings from both of them. Paul, by the will of God, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ and brother Sosthenes, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1. 
Afterwards, St. Sosthenes was made Bishop of Colophon in Asia Minor. St. Sosthenes is also commemorated on December 8th and the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. In the Acts of the Holy Apostles we read the following. A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, eloquent and well-versed in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. He was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Hearing him, Aquila and Priscilla took him and more precisely explained to him the way of the Lord. And when he resolved to go to Achaia, the brethren wrote and asked the disciples to receive him. When he got there, he greatly helped those who believed by grace, for he powerfully confounded the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Acts 18.24-28 The Holy Apostle Apollos assisted the Saint Paul. The Apostle Paul speaks about the spread of Christianity among the Corinthians. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. 1 Corinthians 3.6 St. Apollos was later Bishop of Smyrna in Asia Minor. St. Apollos is also commemorated on December 8th and the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. According to tradition, the Holy Apostle Cephas was Bishop of Iconium. No accounts of him have been preserved. It is assumed that he is the one who is mentioned by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. St. Cephas of the Seventy is also commemorated on December 8th and the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. The Holy Apostle Caesar of the Seventy is also commemorated today on December 8th and with the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. The Holy Apostle Epaphrodius was Bishop of Adrianum in Italy. He was also a companion of St. Paul who sent him to the Christians of Philippi. St. Paul speaks about his hard work in the vineyard of Christ. I thought it necessary to send you, Epaphroditus, my brother and co-worker and fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my needs. He was sick and near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete your lack of service to me. Philippians 2.25-30 Saint Epaphrodotius is also commemorated on December 8th and the Synaxis of the Seventy Apostles on January 4th. Saint Eubola, mother of the great martyr Patelimon, commemorated on July 27th, died peacefully around 3.03 before the martyrdom of her son, and is thus commemorated on this day. St. John, the silent bishop of the city of Colonia, was a model of a good Christian life for his flock. Persecuted by the governor, he was deprived of the archbishop's cathedral and went to the monastery of St. Salad Sanctified, where he was glorified in ascetic deeds of silence, prayer, and desert dwelling. The monk died at age 104 in 558. See also December 3rd. St. Zosimus, Bishop of Syracuse, was born in an answer to the fervent prayers of his parents, who were childless for a long time. When their son reached the age of seven, his parents sent him to a monastery to be educated. When the holy ascetic became an adult, 
he received monastic tonsure and governed the monastery for 40 years. Pope Theodore, 641-649, consecrated him Bishop of Syracuse. St. Zosimus was distinguished by his charity and lack of avarice, and led his flock by word and by example. Toward the end of his life, St. Zosimus fell grievously ill, but endured his suffering with magnanimity and humility. He died in the year 662, after he had led his flock for 13 years. Later, many of the sick received healing by merely touching his tomb. The Meeting of the Most Holy Theotokos in St. Elizabeth The establishment of this feast and the composition of the service are the work of Archimandrite Antonin Kapustin, 1894, head of the Russian Orthodox Mission in Yerusalem. The Gornea Convent in Yerusalem, built on the site of the Meeting of the Theotokos in St. Elizabeth, celebrates this feast on March 30th. If March 30th should fall between Lazarus Saturday and Pascha, however, the feast is transferred to Bright Friday.